your new or existing home is one of your most important assets. Yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. You missed, we should really Facebook Live this one time because you would have missed some really good air guitar. I don't know if anyone else does the air guitar when the intro music is playing, but uh, but we are. So I am your host, Deb Tomorrow, and this is Real Real Estate Today, where we talk about the real world of real estate, not the HGTV world. Well, we talk about the HGTV world, HGTV how do I say that? HGTV world. Um, but um, we like to give you lots of good information on what is real. So I am, as always, joined by Ms. Karen Russell, the best damn lender in the state of Indiana. However, hi, Karen. Hello. So this is a little odd for me because you're not like here face to face. I know. It reminds me of the very first episode when I was in a separate room. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right, because we were having technical issues. So there's yeah. there's, a, there's a good thing that goes along with you not being here, and that is that I could eat lots of onions for lunch. Um, because, <laughs> I don't I'm know if you I know. Help. I know. See, I don't know if you're, you're aware or not, um, but I'm always very conscious of what I have for lunch the, when we do a show because we kind of share a microphone and we have to sit kind of close. And so... You know, anyway, it's all good. It's okay. all good. Um, but uh, and somebody told me once, uh, just recently, that it's better to do radio interviews over the phone like this rather than face to face, how we usually are, because it forces the you know forces both parties to kind of listen to each other and listen to verbal cues as opposed to you know gestures and facial uh, you know cues and things like that. So. That, I don't know. Maybe the sense. yeah, I was saying maybe the show might actually make sense for once because you're not here with me. Well, and the other thing too is I think that you know me well enough that you're 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 going to know my what what gestures and facial expressions I'm doing anyway, even though you can't <laughs> see me. So I'll say insert Karen's eye roll here. So there well, the reason go. that Karen isn't here is I want to wish a happy belated I think anniversary to you and your husband Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Was it actually on Sunday? It was on Sunday, and, and Tony, uh, we, Tony posted the sweetest thing on Facebook. Okay, sure. Yes, that was very sweet. It took him all day to think about it, but yes. <laughs> yeah. So, we what did you guys our do? Anniversary going to a to to see Journey in concert. So that was that was quite a bit of fun. Very nice. And Tony posted something about the journey that they have been on and the journey that they're on, and celebrating it with the journey tonight and something whatever. It was really sweet. Yeah. Yep, there yeah. you go. So so you're still off on a little anniversary getaway, except that he's out golfing, right? He's out golfing. We're doing a pit stop here in Evansville, Indiana. We're hanging out with some friends today, and then we leave for Memphis, Tennessee, tomorrow morning. So Nice. Well, fun. We're going to go search for Elvis. So Excellent. Hope you find him. Uh, Rachel, uh, associate producer, face of an angel. 
mouth of a sailor, was uh, we were just talking about that. We were trying to figure out where in the world is Karen because you've got a busy week and you're, it sounds like you're going to be in a million places. So we were reminiscing over our favorite Memphis stories. I won't share Karen, uh, Rachel's Memphis story because probably her mother wouldn't really want to know. But I was sharing the story about my main experience with Memphis, which was getting stuck in traffic on the anniversary of Elvis's death in 1991, I think, and a 1985 oh, wow. Toyota Corolla, and I had three radio stations, and they were just all playing Elvis because it was the anniversary of his death, and um, it was a long, long traffic jam. Just all Elvis all the time. Anyways, okay, so hopefully that doesn't happen to you. Um, anything else exciting going on? No, uh, I think the Property Brothers are coming to Indiana soon. I don't know really? if you heard that or saw that. Yeah. Um, I meant to email Rachel to see if she had heard about anything like that, but I had heard an advertisement on a local radio station a couple of days ago that like, enter your chance to win, you know, to meet the property brothers. And I thought, why? Like, why are they coming to Indiana? So. Cause if I met them, I'd probably have, I'd have some nightmares. I think, I don't think I want to meet them. I think their teeth would frighten me. Yeah. Cause they're just big. Well, there was also other big news that I posted on Facebook, but I don't know if everybody saw that, um, that that we had announced a month or so ago that Trading Spaces was coming back to TLC and everyone was really excited about that. And uh, they finally announced that Paige Davis, who is the original host, is going to be coming back to host it. So sounds like that'll be good stuff. Yeah, she was pretty excited, too. There was a little video interview she did with TMZ, which is one of my main sources of news information. seems to be the most accurate. Uh, And she was talking about getting the call from TMZ and how she was pretty excited about that. So that's cool. That's coming in 2018. So something to look forward to for sure. Um, Well, last week we were talking about how it was a seller's market. And, uh, and I shared an article about the incredible high prices of real estate, especially in some areas in California. And we were talking a little bit about long commutes as an alternative. Um, and I shared a story about a family that my brother knows in Southern California that commutes in a van together, like this luxury van. And that's their family time, mm-hmm. a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the afternoon. Their kids go to private schools near their jobs uh, and you know, they just kind of pack up and go. And that's where they do the homework and all that. So Karen, I know you're a bit, you, you are a firm believer in this. I think Facebook Big Brother was listening to the show. Be- oh, <laughs> Yeah, because... Like a couple of days later, I had an article show up on my news feed called Extreme Commuting. I'm telling you, Big Brother's always listening. Always, I know. always. I know. Super so, creepy. Did but, you click on it? Oh, yeah, for sure. And so I'll probably get more. And uh, <laughs> and we're going to... And now we're going to repost it on Facebook, too. So make sure you go to Deb Tomorrow Realtor because that's where we post all the things that we've been talking about on the show. So I think, yeah, now once we've reposted it, we're, we're screwed for life now. We've let Facebook in and they're probably going to start using my social security number or something. Um, but they gave some really interesting um, stories of some people who have some ridiculous commutes. So I thought I would share those because maybe it'll all make us feel a little bit better as we drive home today. Um They were talking about, this is actually from the uh, New York Times, and so they're talking about uh, commutes to Manhattan, Uh, about 180 miles to the west of Manhattan, uh, uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. A guy named Scott Ubert is a corporate chef in Manhattan, and he starts his day at 5 a.m., and about an hour later, coffee in hand, he drives 10 minutes to an open-air bus stop, and he catches the 620 to the Port Authority bus terminal. 
which is two hours if the stars align. And from there, he has a leg stretching 20 minute walk to work. So he's about two and a half hour commute. Um, and he says he typically logs a 10 to 12 hour work day, returning home at close to midnight. Crazy. Okay, so my, I guess my question is, why not move a little bit closer? Or like, I don't know, that's just a long time for a commute. Oh, and here's what's the worst part, okay? It says, my wife always wakes up, which is nice. Our little guy goes to bed at 9 p.m., which is not so cool. No. Uh, but he loves mm-hmm. the backyard and the neighborhood, so it's completely worth it. At first, Mr. Ubert thought he would hate the commuting life, but that soon changed. It's really not so bad, and what we get in return is amazing. What they get in return is a 3,100-square-foot, five-bedroom, four-bath colonial on one rustic acre for which they paid $375,000 last year. It's true we are living the American dream with deer running around in the yard and bald eagles, too. Well, I mean, there no. is a trade-off, but... Ooh, gosh, not seeing your kid that's, except on the weekends? But that's a commitment to have to do that commute every day. Well, every day. Rachel said, Rachel said, is there really not another job? And I mean, maybe the pay is completely different. You know, you make X in Manhattan and you make a lot less, you know, somewhere else. Sure. I don't know. But it said these, these commuters, as a, going through the story, are heeding an old real estate adage. And I had to laugh because I've never heard this before, but it's so totally true. Drive until you qualify. So this suggests that you explore farther and farther out until reaching the off-ramp where houses meet your style and budget. Uh, and one of the reasons this resonated with me is that I actually had this exact thing happen to me in a very Southern Indiana kind of way last week when I had some clients and they were talking about their price range and I just said, you know, it's not going to happen in Monroe County. Just to be honest with you, you're not going to find anything habitable. And uh, they went the next county over and said we found a couple houses and we looked at one and they really liked it. And I mean, compared to, you know, the price point compared to what you can find here, um, they felt like it, it made a lot of sense. Um, they, they, one of them kept joking that their mom was going to consider this like her vacation home because it's about a 45-minute drive. Um, but that's what they did. They just drove until they could find a place that they could qualify for and that fit their budget. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, there were a couple more stories I wanted to share just because it's mind-blowing to me. Um, there's another guy named Joe Nevins who's 55, and he works in an architecture firm in midtown Manhattan. He endures a commute that makes most others look like a stroll to the corner deli. Reveille sounds at 4 a.m. in his home in Chester, Connecticut. A 10-minute drive takes him to Old Saybrook, where he boards the nearly empty 5.10 a.m. Shoreline East train to New Haven, where he then transfers to a 6 a.m. train to Grand Central. And then depending on the weather, he either walks or takes the subway another 15 minutes or so, uh, lunging across the finish line at 8.10 a.m., Uh, The quitting time whistle sounds around 5.30, and the return trip finds him at his doorstep at 9 p.m. I know. I have no words. I don't don't know. I don't don't know if I I personally couldn't do it. I I can't be in the car that long and not to see my family, but I know people do it all over the place. What's the longest commute you've ever had? Maybe 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and that was in Nashville. I worked in Nashville, Indiana, which is like one way to get there, and it's a two-lane highway. Yeah, that's a rough one. Did you have to do it over the winter? I did, and there's only three 
areas where there's like uh, you can pass. Everything else it is a solid yellow yeah. line. You know what I mean? So yep. no, I, I don't think I could I could do I could do anything like that anymore. I did probably close to an hour just driving from the south side of Indianapolis to the north side of Indianapolis, maybe 45, 50 minutes. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm spoiled. My commute's now 22 seconds from upstairs to downstairs to my home office. Yeah. So there you go. Well, there you go. You know, the uh, average commute time, Karen, you want to take a guess? Average commute time in the United States as reported oh, by the probably, U.S. Census Bureau. It's probably going to be like an hour and 15 minutes or something. No, it's 25.4 minutes. Oh, that was way off. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I wanted to ask you, and we're going to have to do this when we come back from break real quick. We're kind of doing a potpourri show today, so we're just going to kind of talk about what we're going to talk about. Because I know you had some issues in the past with commute actually playing into a person's ability to qualify for a mortgage. Does that ring a bell? It does. Okay. So maybe we'll talk about that when we come back for a few minutes. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
All right, we are back. A little bit of a potpourri show today. We're going to talk a little bit about what we talked about last week. I had some things I didn't get to. I wanted to talk a little bit about an escalation clause. And as my cliffhanger, uh, we're going to talk about the number one thing that is driving me batty right now in real estate. It's not my clients. Uh, So welcoming Karen from a distance, which is different for us. So we were just talking about all the trials and tribulations of trying to get her hooked up. Uh, and and online, and she's sitting in a car trying not to sweat. Do you have the car on now? I do have the car on right now, and so I don't know if my friend is listening, but uh, if she is, I've got it on. (laughs) And, yeah, it's reading 100 degrees outside right now. It's cooler up here, but anyways, we don't want to talk about weather. That's boring, right? We were talking about... commutes. And as I was reading this story that had popped up on my Facebook news feed, it made me think of a situation you've had recently where um, someone, as I recall, one of your uh, borrowers was going to have a very long commute and Mm -hmm. the underwriters were raising a lot of questions about that. Yeah, it was, um, it was in the past 12 months. I was at a different company at the time and I didn't think anything about it. Like I just, to me, it's, like you said, it's someone who's willing to make that drive. And so the commute would have had this person in his vehicle for six hours total each day. Mm. And, um, you know, he was also, we were using his income with this job. Um, it was in Illinois. And so he had never had that type of commute before, but, the, uh, but he was willing to keep his job. He loved his job that much. Mm. And so... It ended up that particular one, we ended up having to remove him from the loan uh, and the wife or fiance had to qualify on her own because the underwriter had deemed it, um, I don't know, like it's unlikely that that person would maintain such a commute six hours a okay. day as they never have done it, doing, you know, they've never done that before and yeah, they're going home about it now, but what's the likelihood of that continuing? So to be safe. They were they you know were a little bit more conservative and said let's just qualify the the woman by herself and not count his income so hmm. that's what we had to do. Which is interesting. Yeah. So underwriters are looking at that. I think this is valuable information for any borrower to understand. Underwriters want to look at your picture as what's the likelihood of this behavior, this good credit score, this good income, this whatever to continue. And uh, and so that was what was raising questions. D- was the guy going to really make the drive every day or was he working from home he, sometimes? No, he was going to make that drive every day. And I never met him. We just spoke on the phone. Everything was done via email. But he seemed very energetic and excited about the, you know, buying this home in Indiana where his wife was going to live. And he wanted to continue um, teaching at this university. So there mm. was a lot of questions the underwrite, underwriter uh, asked about, well, what about inclement weather? And then what happens? And, you know, all these other things. But like you had said, underwriters, uh, the, the mortgage guidelines are looking for income, the likeliness for it to continue for at least three years out. So, like I said, they, they aired on um, the, a cautious route and said, let's, let's just take him out of the picture mm. And, and the woman did qualify on her own, but yeah. you know, that's always still a hard conversation to have with someone. Oh, interesting. And first of all, underwriters should just mind their own business. But anyways, that's a whole other <laughs> whole other well, subject. Had, so. yeah. We had a, another client, too, that you and I worked together on who the family, his wife and children wanted to be back here in Bloomington. But he worked about an hour and a half away. 
Mm, yeah. And so he too was going to make that commute. And he, he is tenured or on his track to be tenured with the university. Mm-hmm. And so he had to do what, what we would call a letter of explanation to explain that, yes, that he's going to continue keeping this job, you know, and uh, that I think was a little different because an hour and a half commute versus, you know, over three hours might be a little bit more reasonable. But yeah. But think about how many um, episodes of Real Real Estate Today you could listen to during your three-hour one-way commute. Exactly. At least three, right? Get the ads out. Maybe a little more. That's pretty good stuff. You could get through a whole season in like two weeks or everything that we've done. All right, well, let's talk about what we talked about last week a little bit. I wanted to finish that uh, because, as usual, we're kind of around short on time. Um, We're talking about the options you have in front of you when you need to sell and then buy. So you want to maybe upsize or downsize or even move to another um, city. And, and in a seller's market, that can be really tricky. It's great for selling, but it's not so great for buying. So um, how do you time things so that you aren't homeless? That's kind of what we were talking about. So if you're interested in that stuff, this is kind of, I'll give you just a quick overview of what we went over. If you missed last week's show, we talked about sort of the four options if you're in that boat where you need to sell before you can buy your next home. Uh, you can make an offer that's contingent uh, these are my three C's. Uh, you make a contingent offer, which is con- you make an offer on your dream home contingent on your current home selling. That's probably not uh, going to work well in a seller's market. It's a slim chance it's going to work out because the seller of your dream home is still trying to sell it. Uh, and if they find another buyer, that buyer can swoop in and take the house from you. So it can be really, really disappointing. Another option I call the couch option, which is focusing on selling your house finding a couch to surf, whether that's renting a house or crashing on your in-laws couch, um, and then taking your time finding your dream home. Uh, And that can be a good one uh, if you can find a comfortable couch on which to surf. And then the third option is what I call the confidence option, that you can qualify for two mortgages, the old house and the dream house, uh, and you have confidence that it will all work out. you know, budget for some multiple payments uh, in your strategy and just know it won't kill you. Um, so that those are the three main options. Every once in a while, we see some people working another option that I call the reverse contingency, which is that you negotiate in your buyer's offer. So someone offers to buy your house and you negotiate in there, okay, I'll accept your offer, but give me 21 days to find some place to go. And that might be finding your dream home or it might be finding a couch. Um There's a small risk there that you might lose a dream buyer. But again, when you're in a seller's market, when you're in that seller's seat, you're uh, in the driver's seat and you have a little bit more leeway so you can ask for a little bit more unique things like that. Um, So those are sort of the options. One of the options we didn't talk about um, that I wanted to touch on because I think people do bring it up is the rental option that some people say, well, I'll just rent out my house. Um, I'll buy a new house and rent out the old one and then I don't have to worry about double payments and then I can just try and sell it while it's being rented. And Karen, I know you know there's some financing, potential financing issues with that scenario. Right. I mean, a lot of times um, people do say, and I know we talked about on the other shows, that people think, well, it'll be a wash. I know I have a mortgage payment still out there, but I'm going to rent it for more than that payment. So that payment cancels out. And it's not really the way that's looked at uh, on the underwriting side. If you have no history of having rental property. So you have to qualify with with all those payments. 
One of the biggest myths uh, that I run across all the time is people thinking, well, you know, I'll just count that rental income and I'll offset that mortgage payment, like you said. And it doesn't work that way unless you've got two years of rental income on your tax returns. Not just like, yeah, I rent a room to someone, um, but it's got to yeah. show up. It's not right. official unless it's on a tax return. So a lot of times I've had uh, clients in the past who that was their plan, and then they realized that that rule is in place and that's not going to work. So they ended up having to sell the home, their first home, which they intended on being an investment property all along. Um, they had to sell, uh, sell that in order to buy their dream home. But, you know, also you want to figure into the equation that you will – complete total honesty you're going to have to repaint you're going to have to replace carpet after tenants move out um you just are and so it's going to cost you more and if you think that you're going to sell while you have tenants in the house think again because it's harder for showings it doesn't show as well more notice is required so it's harder for realtors to get in to show the property um and what about you know what buyer wants to wait for possession well you know we see this a lot there's homes that why have they been on the market so long because they have tenants and they've got they're under a lease for the next six months and people don't typically want to buy in that situation because karen isn't there a rule if you're buying an owner occupied that you have to occupy it in a certain within a certain amount of time after closing yeah if you're buying a home and you're stating that that will be your primary residence so you get a better interest rate because it will be your primary residence but you have to take possession within 60 days of that closing date so if it's six months from then, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it, it wouldn't be considered a primary residence. And I don't think anybody wants to sign the affidavit that says that, that, they, that they would be residing within 60 days of closing. Right, right. So, you know, I think if you're going to hold the home as a rental for years and you can qualify for both mortgages or whatever, you know, I had a friend who did that. She, her, her and her husband's, um, plan uh, was always to have a rental property. And when they bought their new home, they were going to sell their old one, but then realized they were in a really good neighborhood. They already had a ton of equity in the home. Um, the numbers worked really well and it met their long-term plan. So if it meets your long-term plan to have a property as a rental, I said, go for it. I mean, several of our rental properties are places that we've lived in in the past. Um, but if it's not part of your plan, um, you know, I have other clients who I can say it became part of their plan. And then after doing it a few, few years, they're like, eh, no, not so much. And they decided to go ahead and sell. So um, so I had some uh, tips that I wanted to just go over real quick, uh, just to sort of wrap up last week's show about if you are selling and then needing to buy. So if you don't listen to anything else, just listen to these real quick, because this will kind of cover everything you need to know. Number one, expect some discomfort and know it won't kill you. I mean, we talked about that, but it's not, you know, going to, the pieces aren't going to fall into place perfectly. I promise you that. Um, so it's going to be, you know, you're going to have to pack twice. You're going to have to sleep on somebody's couch. There's going to be some point where it's not going to be super comfortable, um, but it's not going to kill you. No, Number two, know both of your markets well if you are moving to another market. Um, we talked a little bit about last week about like the market numbers in Monroe County versus Marion County, which is about 60 miles to the north and how they're uh, definitely different. Um, and so make sure you educate yourself about both of those markets. Um, this is my favorite one, number three, have a plan A, a plan B, and probably a plan C. Um, that's so important to, I, I think having options is what keeps people calm. Um, number four, still the first thing you want to do, and I swear I say this with everything, but the first thing you want to do is meet with a lender. Um, a lender is a super important part of the strategy 
what can you do versus what you want to do. Um, so you want to understand that for sure. So meet with your lender first um, and, and understand your different options there. Number five, what's your project budget? Because, yes, this is a project. If you work in a, a business where you kind of do project planning, you're going to sort of do project planning for this. So you should think about having a budget for it. And one of the things I highly recommend is that if you can qualify for your current mortgage and your new mortgage, to consider setting as part of your budget, along with new countertops or some new mulch, is can you set aside a couple months worth of double mortgage payments? Um, and that can really help provide you with a plan A and a plan B um, and not be too stressful about that. Um, number six, get a pre-listing inspection. Speaking of budget, work that into your budget. Get a pre-listing inspection because if you are doing something contingent or even if you're um, on a couch option where you're renting a place, you just you can't take chances of a deal falling apart. I just had a deal a couple of weeks ago where um, the condition of the home, my buyers you know, made an offer, did the inspection, really, really major condition issues, and they had to back out of the deal. Totally understandable. But the sellers had already gone ahead and signed a lease because they were building, so they had to go somewhere for a while. So they signed a lease. Well, now they're stuck, right? They've got this lease they've signed, but they don't. They lost their buyers, and they've got a good amount of work that needs to be done now on this house to get it ready for the next buyer. So had they had a pre-listing inspection, you know, they would have known that that was an issue and been able to address it before they got into that situation. Um, just be really realistic. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer and being reader, reader realistic. I made that up. Um, but, you know, just be realistic about what you can expect um, and what the process is going to involve. Plan ahead. Get your pictures done, get your home stage, get your house ready to sell. Even if you're not going to put it on the market, there's nothing wrong with getting all that ready a month ahead of time. And uh, and then number nine, remember the law of attraction. Act like what you want to happen is happening and it will happen. So we're going to go to break on that note and come back and talk a little bit about my favorite escalation clause that's become my new best friend. So stick around. Uh, you're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. 
That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right. Welcome back. We are talking a little bit of potpourri today. I wanted to finish up talking about if you're making the transition and you're having to sell and then buy another home. Um, some things that you should know to help keep your sanity, uh, as I kind of jokingly say when we get to the closing table, oh, I see you're still married. I'm happy to see that. That's always a good thing. Um, so that was what we were talking about. And now I want to talk a little bit about escalation clauses. And then uh, in the end of the show, we're going to talk about what's driving me crazy the most. Uh and uh, I was telling um, our office manager, she always says, what's your show about today? And I'll tell her. And she goes, just one thing driving you crazy? And I said, the most. It's the most. Okay. So, no, there's plenty of other things driving me crazy. Karen, anything driving you crazy? Um, no, there's nothing yet. <laughs> yet. No, because I Karen's think, in vacation mode. So. Resol- no, there's always something that drives me crazy, but then it gets resolved very quickly, and then you forget about it, and you move on, you know. So. Exactly. Well, this 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 one is, is raw. The wounds are still open, so I'm going to vent about it, but then we'll see how that goes. Uh-oh. So one of my themes this past week has been escalation clauses. Karen, I don't know if you've seen many escalation clauses come through when you're seeing uh, purchase agreements. I haven't yet, but I remember you were talking about it a week or so ago. Yeah, and I, I think that I kind of ran out of time and didn't go into as much detail as I wanted to go into about it. And so I thought we would cover it today because I've done three of them in the past week. And two, two times it worked and one time it didn't. Uh, and so, or one time I guess it didn't matter. Um, and so it's a much used negotiating technique in some markets uh, and not so used in other markets. So right now, if you're uh, a Monroe County, Indiana realtor, I'd like to need to turn this show off forget that it exists because uh, it's not used very much around here and so yay it's something that makes me look smart right <laughs> I'm like ooh. um i my last client i used it on they're like that's so creative and they thought i was brilliant i was like oh, not so much but um 
some uh, and also check with your local realtor about the rules in your state regarding escalation clauses because different states have different rules but it's totally fair game here in indiana so it's something that's used when there are multiple offers so say for example uh, a buyer makes an offer and then there's we'll say there's three offers um it's what a buyer a seller can't know i can't even explain it it's this thing right and it just escalates it's like ebay karen have you ever bought anything on ebay no, but the friend that I'm here visiting, that's what she does. And so I, I know enough about it because I listen oh, to her she, she talk about it. She buys or she sells on eBay? She bids. Oh, she bids. Okay. So it's she like bidding on eBay yeah. where you kind of say, I'll bid X number of dollars up to a certain cap and then it bids it up in increments for you. It's the exact same thing. So say you put in an offer for $450,000 on a house um, and the seller gets another offer for $452,000. Typically you're out, right? You have two offers, You're that's it. Right. So what buyers end up doing is sort of going, well, how high do I need to go? And, you know, they might be willing to go to 460, but what if they didn't need to go to 460, right? So that's where you kind of start to, like, question yourself. How do you protect yourself? So if you include an offer in the state uh, statement, look, we have an actual escalation clause document that we use where you say, I'll pay $1,000 more than the highest offer subject to a cap of $460,000. So in that case, okay. when the other offer comes in at 452, your escalation clause would just bump it up to 453 and boom, you'd be the highest right. offer. Um, so it's a nice way to, um, you know, kind of cap it, make sure that you're paying enough, but not more than you have to. Because um, that's, you know, you never know what that other offer is going to be. Um, so here's some important parts to the escalation clause that you want to make sure are included. One, obviously, is the cap, uh, that there is a cap to it. It can't just be like, I'll pay $1,000 higher than anybody else. That's crazy. Don't do that. Um, but whatever you define as your cap, you want to make sure that you're happy happy if that's what you end up paying. Um, one of the ones we won with an escalation clause over the past week, um, we only had to go up $1,000 from our original offer, so that's great. Uh, both offers kind of basically came in the same, and so they put the escalation clause into play, $1,000 higher, good to go. The buyer was actually willing to go up about $10,000, um, but at the end of the day, the buyer said, well, I feel a lot better only having to go up 1000 instead of 10000 So they probably would have been happy that they got it at the, if it had gone all the way up to their cap, but they were much happier <laughs> if, it, you know, that they only had to go 1000 over. Um, so, you know, just make sure that whatever your cap is, don't get carried away. And be like, I've seen I have, some eBay. I have auctions. a question. I have a question. Okay. Maybe you're gonna, maybe you're gonna touch on it. But when you are in a multiple offer situation like that, where you do want to implement that clause, my question is, what's the time frame on that? Is it just in that that first, you know, forty eight, seventy two hours that the other offers are coming in, or is that seller? You know what I mean? Like, or, or yeah. does the seller just keep taking offers then until? Right. Well, I don't usually do it unless I know for sure we're in a multiple offer situation. And usually it's when the um, seller has called for highest and best. Um, And so, and usually highest and best, there's a deadline. Like we're going to take offers until noon on such and such a day. And then obviously we send ours in at 1155 (laughs) for the noon deadline. So they can't do what 
um, some people call shop it around or pedal it around, you know, to kind of say, I've got this offer and who can beat it kind of thing. Um, right. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to have some trust on the other side that the realtor kind of knows what they're doing and that they're going to be fair. Their obligation is, you know, and this was an interesting point that happened too. Um, one of my clients got a little frustrated with the listing agent and I kind of said, hey, you know, the listing agent's job is to represent the seller, which is to get the seller the most amount of money possible. They have an obligation to be fair to everyone. They can't lie or anything like that. But, you know, their obligation is not to the buyer, it's to the seller. Mm-hmm. So something to keep in mind. Um, another important part of the escalation clause is proof. That as the buyer putting an escalation clause out there, you have the right to require that they prove that they have a legitimate offer that you are, um, you know, escalating against, basically. So a lot of times they will just provide a copy of that offer, perhaps, you know, marking out some personal information so that you can kind of look it over and make sure that you know that it's um, legit. That one's always kind of tricky. It's helpful when you know the other agent involved so that you're kind of like, yeah, that person's going to be, you know, legit about things. Because I suppose it is possible that they could, you know, get their brother-in-law to write up an offer that could then drive the price up to the cap. So um, that's why you want to definitely require proof. Um, And it's important that the escalation amount is meaningful to the seller. I was reading one little article um, about escalation clauses um, is being used a lot in Washington, D.C. area. So I was reading a Washington Post article. They said, it's not the price is right. You're not going to win a home by outbidding other offers by one dollar. And this is really important because the one uh, one of the three escalation clauses, the one that we didn't get, this is the reason why sellers look at much at terms as much as price. And if a competing offer is cleaner, all cash, no contingencies, preferred closing date, etc., the seller will choose that over a slightly higher dollar offer. So cash is probably going to win regardless of the price. And I just had that happen to me on Thursday night um, where we went in with an escalation clause and we were higher even without instituting the escalation clause. We were a higher price, but we were not cash. Uh, and because of some condition issues with the home, the listing agent and the seller thought they were best to go with cash to get the deal done. So there was no way we were going to win that. You know, and I don't know, because we kept asking, like, what if we went $10,000 above list price? And I don't even think that would have gotten it done because it was too important to the seller to get the deal done and get the house sold. Um, yeah. I'll check my time here. Um, let's see. So kind of like auctioning. This was really interesting, too. This is a quick point I want to make. One of the nice things about an escalation clause is at the end of the day, the buyer actually feels pretty good about the price they paid. Um, I went to a, um, a presentation a few weeks ago uh, by a local auctioneer, and he was talking about why auctions work so well. And he said, the buyers are embracing each other. That was the term that he used. And what he was meaning was that they were sort of validating each other, that if someone was willing to pay a hundred and you know, 20000 for a house, then probably 121000 is a fair price too. Um, so instead of just one being one buyer going in and going, gosh, you know, I hope this is a fair price for the house. I don't know. If you have multiple people competing in that same price range, it makes you go feel a lot better. Does that make sense? It sure does. It was an interesting concept to me when he, when the auctioneer was talking about the buyers are embracing each other and it makes the buyers feel better about the transaction. I was like, you know, that's kind of true that, you know, you feel like it must be a legit price. Other people are willing to pay it too. So 
So I thought that was kind of cool. So that's an escalation clause. Um, I would love to hear any stories that anybody has about uh, using it. Like I said, I've been moderately successful, um, but can't win out against cash. So, all right, let's take one final break. Let Karen run in and get another sip of her margarita. And we will come back and talk about the one thing that's driving me crazy the most right now. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back to our little potpourri show. I'm kind of catching up. I feel like I need to do that every once in a while. And some topics that I've left sort of lingering out there and haven't been able to go into full detail. So we were talking about, um, and, and I strongly encourage you, if you are in the position where you're going to be selling a house and then buying a house and you want to understand what your timing options are, please listen to last week's show. It's so important. And please set up a time to talk with a realtor. If you're in central Indiana, I would be happy to talk with you with no pressure at all. Um, I've, I've run into so many people where I've shown them a house and they've fallen in love with it. And then they got to kind of backpedal and figure out how do we make it work? And uh, it's not as easy as it used to be. You know, 10 or 12 years ago when I bought my house, we were kind of in the midst of all the crazy mortgage stuff. And I kind of did that. I stumbled upon a house and like, let's buy it. And we had other property, you know, we had each just bought a house uh, nine months before and hadn't really thought about selling them. And, and the beauty of the subprime market was stated income loans. So they just said, what's your income? And I'd state what it is. And they'd go, that's not quite enough. And what do you, I'm saying, what do you need me to state my income to be? And uh, and then they give you a mortgage. If you have good credit, they give you a mortgage. Uh, 
I don't recommend that. They don't really do that anymore. But that was how it was in the good old days. And it's not that easy. And then we kind of stood back and go, okay, now we've got the house and now we've got these other properties and what do we do? And we kind of regrouped. You can't do that anymore. You really need to do things in the right order, which is get with a realtor, get with a lender, find good ones who are willing to sit down and talk with you and not pressure you um, and, uh, and, and get your, get your plan together. Um, all right, Karen, are you ready for my rant? I am. I'm like, again, always pins and needles. Cause you know, I never know what the show is going to be about. So what is- I don't know. And, and I don't know if I ranted to you about this or not. I don't think I did. I did. I ranted to, there's a, a couple, uh, three other realtors in my office that we sort of have decided that we, uh, commiserate with you, you got to find your new year <laughs> these are the people you can vent to because you, your loved ones at home sure as heck don't want to hear about it all the time and sometimes right. it's easier to vent to people who um, go through it so I know I vented to them Friday night but I don't think I vented to you but what the, the thing that's driving me the craziest right now is that I seem to be getting a lot of out of area realtors who are sh- wanting to show my listings and I'm always happy to have showings on my listings but here's the problem we use typically use lock boxes that are designed like we pick a certain brand different markets different groups of realtors use different lock boxes we have this lock box and it connects with our phones via bluetooth and it's all very safe and secure and one of the things i really like about it is that you can pull off reports you can see who's been in the house um you know when they put the lock box you know put the key back in and so you can get some good information which i think in today's day and age is really important however if you don't belong to our local board of realtors you don't have access to that lockbox. you don't have the app on your phone and so you can't get into the house okay uh, now i'm not complaining okay. go ahead i was gonna say so you have to like go and let them in like right okay so or you have to like change it out and put like a combination lockbox on it, which I don't really care to do because that's just not secure. I mean, you know, there are times when it's appropriate, but I don't like to do it if I don't have to with a combo because anybody can give anybody else the combo and get into the house. Uh, and when houses are vacant, uh, you know, that's a much bigger deal too because I feel and the, the sellers don't live in town anymore. I feel an obligation. So anyways, I've, I've been having that a lot and I've been trying to accommodate and I've had some realtors get kind of snippy with me and it's like, you know, dude, you know, help me out and make this a little bit easier. Uh, but Friday at five o'clock, for this past Friday at five o'clock, I get a phone call as I have a client walking into my office uh, and it's an, a realtor from out of the area and she says, I have a client. She wants to see your new listing. He had just gone on that day. And so we need you to meet us out there at nine o'clock tonight. Nine a freaking clock on a Friday night with four hours notice. I said, I'm sorry, I cannot do that. I said, I have a client that's getting ready to walk in right now. And after that, I have family commitments. And well, is that she, enough time for your seller? Like, it, let, you know, let's say someone's Well, the house is there, vacant. Just, yeah. Okay. The so, house was vacant. So that wasn't an issue. But my issue was, A, you're giving me four hours notice. That's, I think, uncool. But B, nine o'clock at night. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. I mean, never. I don't know you. I don't know your buyer. The house is vacant. Hell to the no. And I'm right. not even going to feel sorry for saying no. 
Well, this chick would not let it rest. And she was like texting me and she said, well, you need to find someone in your office. This is at 636. Uh, as I was, um, I just left the office. She goes, you need to find someone in your office that'll let us in at nine o'clock on a Friday night. I was like, what the hell? No, is no. And, how they, I'm sorry. Is that how they do it in that, in that market? That, I don't even know. You know that, I don't even know. Okay. I was so like, I never even responded because I was just like so, to that. I would talk to her on the phone before and I said, I'm sorry. You know, if it's a different time, if we have more notice, we'll certainly try to accommodate. But so then she starts in on sending me these text messages saying that her buyer was, is a friend of a friend of my seller's. And it's the only time that he can go to see the house in the next week. And I'm like, then obviously he's not that motivated to buy a house if he, you know, is unable to, you know, change his schedule or find 15 minutes to go look at a house. Uh, But I did contact my seller that evening because I was concerned if it was a friend of a friend of a situation, I didn't want it to get back to her. So I told her exactly what happened, you know, and I said, look, I'm not going to go open a house for anybody at nine o'clock at night. It's just not going to happen. Well, it's happened once, and that was to my friend Cynthia, and that was a crazy spring break story. But, And I would do it for Cynthia and Sally again, but uh, nobody else. I will not open a house for you at 9 o'clock at night, and I'm not going to do it if you're going to give me four hours notice. So, you know, and then here was the, here's how the rest of my thought process went. And I'm telling you this because I want you to learn from this. If you are a buyer and you are thinking about using a realtor who is – Um, from out of the area that you are buying in. You should be aware of some of the, you know, challenges. This is going to be harder for you to see homes. Um, And then what happened was we started, the seller and I started going, gosh, these people seem like they're kind of high maintenance. If there's only like a 15, 20 minute window of time in the course of a week that they can go see a house and it has to be nine o'clock on a Friday night and they're really demanding and et cetera, et cetera. It was like, do you really want to even enter into you know, if they made an offer, are these the people that you want to try and do a transaction with? Because they're kind of acting pretty unrealistic. Um, right. And we concluded probably not. Uh, so there you go on that. But, you know, I had one a few weeks ago and the person called the day before, uh, which I appreciated. I couldn't make it out there to get the lockbox changed or to let them in. But she ended up calling another realtor who is local but works in the same company that she works in. And that realtor agreed to open the house for her. And that local realtor, in fact, even contacted me and said, I'm going to open the house for so-and-so. Are you okay with that? Totally. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, you know, that that won me over because they were showing some consideration, you know, for me and, and my concerns and security concerns and that kind of thing. So, again, you know, if you are a buyer using an out-of-area realtor, make sure that you know you might not be getting the best comps and things like that. Um because they may not be an expert in that area. Um, there's a realtor code of ethics that says that we won't undertake uh, services outside of our field of com- competence without telling the buyers um, or enlisting aid of people who are competent in that area. And location is a big part of that. So be aware of that. Um, always be considerate of all the parties involved, even though it's a seller's market and buyers are feeling pretty frenzied and pretty under pressure uh Try to treat each other with some kindness and some grace and uh, some common sense. Um, never going to show you a house on Friday night at 9 o'clock. Just not going to happen. Who knows if I'm right. sober then. So, okay, that was my rant. Not too bad, right? No, it's not too bad. 
Okay. It was bad Friday night. I will tell you, I was pretty fired up. <laughs> so there you go. Just wanted to get it off my chest. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Karen, thank you for dialing in. You did not have to do that. And so I appreciate it. And I owe oh, you one. You're most welcome. And you're go back and welcome. drink. I'm hoping your daiquiri hasn't melted. Um, but um, luckily, you're, you're at a bar and you can always order another one. So yeah, we will no be back you're next talking week. About. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'll be back. I'll be back in person next week. <laughs> awesome. All right. We'll be back with another new show next week. So be sure to tune in. This is Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb, tomorrow for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.